It is a wonderful privilege to be able to be with you. And uh, I, I want to say, as I do uh, whenever I go out into one of our churches, how thankful I am for the Doolins Grove Advent Christian Church and for your support of the Advent Christian denomination. And I just want to say a big thank you. And uh, when I was introduced yesterday morning, they said uh, some things about my title. But really, my title is cheerleader for those that work in the Advent Christian offices. And, and uh, I know that you know that there's just awesome folks that work across the street from here. And uh, my, my role as I go across the denomination is, is to, uh, to try to let people know how blessed we are with these wonderful folks who are serving God so well. And, and uh, also to thank the local church, because without the local church, uh, we wouldn't have a denomination. And uh, so I thank you. I thank you for all that you do and for who you are as a people. I'd like to go to Ephesians chapter 2. You may have guessed that. And we're going to pick it up with uh, verse 6 and read through verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6 through verse 10. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May God bless the reading of His Word. I entitled tonight's message, God's Masterpiece. And yet last night as we, uh, well, we've just come apart at the seams here. <laughs> I don't know whether this is the sound the guy's fault or not, Dave. <laughs> Since we didn't have a song a minute ago, I'm going to blame you, but, uh, <laughs> but it's not really. But I, I have to say that uh, I tend to be wired even without a microphone. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I was preaching at a church in New Hampshire, got a brand new sound system. And they had just, they were so proud of their new uh, microphone uh, lapel mic that they got for their pastor. And, and it, was, it was attached, and I had it in my coat. And I was preaching along, and then. I got going in the sermon. In the sermon, I was talking about blind Bartimaeus and Jesus calling him. And I ripped off my coat to throw it on the ground, you know, like Bartimaeus did. And their brand new microphone flying through the air landed about halfway with a splat. And uh, they had to buy a new lapel. <laughs> so I'm pretty dangerous with these things. But we talked last night about the love of God for us and how loved that we are. And remember, I, I, I challenged you to, 
feel the arms of God as he wrapped his arms around you. And to breathe in the peace of God which passes all understanding. And to realize that if God did it for nobody else, he would have done it just for you. That's how valuable you are to him. You are God's masterpiece. And tonight, as we take a look at these verses, I want to talk about being reformed by grace, having a real assurance, and being refined by the master. I want to tell you that uh, for the last four or five years, I've been meeting with, with a group of pastors in our community. We meet at the local library in Loganville, and we are praying and have been praying for God to revival to our community. And we meet, and, and, and uh, every Thursday as we come together, and, and these guys have been praying for you this this. We started last Thursday asking them to just bathe these meetings in prayer. But these guys are real prayer warriors. And there's about six to eight pastors gathered together. And uh, we don't talk about all the things that are wrong in our churches. We beg God to send revival to our community. And God is doing some really neat things in our community. For instance, there was, uh, there was a lady last, last year, all of her life, she was 48 years old, all of her life she walked on club feet. And she was in a, a prayer meeting at one of the local churches, and as they prayed over her, her feet were healed during the prayer meeting. God put arches on her feet. And nobody in our community can deny what has happened in this woman's life because God healed her feet. And they all knew that she walked with club feet for 48 years. And this woman, to drive the point home, walks five or six miles around Loganville every day, <laughs> showing the power of God. Last summer, uh, the pastors in the community started something for the youth called United, met on Wednesday night at the local high school. The local high school principal opened meetings with prayer. And now that's something in public school. The football coaches were on the platform leading in worship. Over the last two summers now, uh, they are averaging over 600 kids on Wednesday night in a relatively small community of Loganville. Kids who love Jesus Christ in a passionate way. I want to tell you, revival is happening in Loganville. Let me tell you about those kids. There's about 50 of these kids that, that meet every Tuesday morning at about 6 o'clock in the morning and they pray from 6 to 7 begging God to change their high school. At the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting a week ago Monday night, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes groups in, in our county decided that they would close all the local chapters and just have one group so they'd be united. They had over 400 kids show up to the first gathering 
That night, 22 young people accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Several of them were the best players on our state championship baseball team. Those players on the state championship baseball team went to the coaches and they said, we don't want to play any more Wednesday ball games because we want to be in church on Wednesday night. You know, when the coaches realized that their star players wanted to be in church on Wednesday night, they actually were able to get the ball games moved to Tuesday and Thursday nights. I want to tell you that. God is moving in our community. Remember when nothing used to happen on Wednesday nights because the schools knew that that was the church night? Remember when Sunday morning was sacred? I don't know how it is in Charlotte, but in Atlanta, at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, the youth soccer leagues are holding games. And I'd like to tell you that it didn't affect my church at all. But there are some parents in our church that are letting their children go play soccer at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning rather than being in church. You know, most of those kids are never going to be professional athletes. And we as Christians say that God is our top priority. I have a real burden for the church in America because we gave away Sunday night. We've given away Wednesday night. And now Satan's after Sunday morning. Our prime time. And we really need for our churches and our people to say, just like those high school athletes said in Loganville, we're not going to play any more games on Wednesday night. We're not going to play any games on Sunday morning. Your star players are going to be in church putting God first. We need that, don't we? We need to be reformed, reshaped by grace. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. What is grace? Grace is, the acrostic says, God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that acrostic for grace. God's riches given to us at Christ's expense. God's, the scripture said, incomparable Riches given to us at Christ's expense. You know, if I were to open the service tonight for testimonies, for you to share some of the great things that God has done, we would be amazed just in this room, right? At the wonderful riches that God has done for us. Tonight at the supper table, I was sharing some of the things that God has done uh, in, over the years. And one, of the, one of the stories that I shared was from 30 years ago, or a little bit more than that, when I was in South Carolina. This, this woman in our community went to the doctor to have a bunion removed from her foot. 
And uh, she couldn't take an injection to kill dead in the pain. She had, she had reactions against that. And so she had to take a oral medication. Well, the nurse wasn't there that day. And the doctor sent his secretary back in the back room to, to uh, go get the medication. And, and uh, the secretary made a mistake. She poured phenyl acid into a Dixie cup. And she handed it to the woman and said, drink this. And the woman in our community did what most of us probably would do. And she drank a half a Dixie cup full of phenyl acid. And within a minute, it was unconscious. The uh, hospital called the doctor's office called Poison Control in Houston immediately. They said that nobody had ever lived longer than an hour with just a minor dose. And uh, Ruth was unconscious and, and uh, God, God has unconvinced a, a sense of humor in that uh, on the Sunday morning prior to this I had preached our church family if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And I really poured it on. I drove to the hospital. It was about a 45-minute drive. And I met with the family, and, I, and the doctor was there. We held hands, and, and I prayed. And you know how I prayed? I don't remember the words I used, but in my mind I was thinking, I wonder who's going to preach your funeral. And when I said amen, the Holy Spirit did a number on me. And he said, do you remember last Sunday morning, son? Brent, when you just prayed, you were making funeral And so I looked to the group, and I, they were all starting to move off, and I said, can we pray again? And they looked at me kind of funny, and I said, I have to confess that when I was praying, I was making funeral arrangements. And I believe God can heal. Can we pray again? And we prayed, and, and uh, our church back home started a 24-hour prayer chain at the church. We opened the doors of the church, and the people in the community came in, and they prayed. The doctor the next morning said that even if Ruth were to wake up, that everything on the inside would be eaten away by the female acid. Her voice paused. Her internal organs... They told the family, Ruth will never speak again. About noontime that day, Ruth's eyes opened and she looked at her son and said, Hi, Steve. Within a month, her taste buds were bad. God shook our community with the following Sunday, the doctor preached in my pulpit. He was a Catholic.
And he stood before our congregation and he said, I want to tell you that medically this is impossible. God has done a miracle. There was revival that broke out. We rented the local high school and, and uh, several people in our life, hundreds in our community accepted Christ. We had the lady give her testimony. We had the doctor share his story. We, we preached the gospel and, and lives were transformed by grace. You know, those stories are wonderful. And I was telling Richard at supper tonight that, that as wonderful as that story is, there was a lady who was an atheist who was one of the most bitter people I've ever met in my life. Her daughter-in-law was, is the organist at our church. And Miss Franklin had shared the gospel over and over and over with her, but she always said no. And she was in the hospital at Emory University, one of the fine hospitals in Atlanta, and she was having terrible heart problems that eventually led to her death. But um, I was in the room with her, and she was telling me she was always negative. And, and this particular day, she was really negative the doctors were not very encouraging about our heart situation. She was telling me every blessed thing that was wrong with her heart. And when she finished, when she finally, well, I'm not sure she was finished, but she took a breath. You know? <laughs> I looked at her and I said, Sister Franklin, it's worse than you think. And she looked at me, you don't expect the pastor to tell you this thing. I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. Your heart problem is worse than you think. You see, you need a completely new heart. And Jesus died on Calvary's cross to give you a new heart. And if you ask him to tonight, you know, this thing that you're talking about very well could lead to your death, but even more important to me is your eternal future. And if you don't get a new heart, if you don't ask Jesus into your heart, you're not going to have any future at all. And when I finished, I, I looked at her and I said, Sister Franklin, wouldn't you like to accept Jesus tonight? And she looked up to me and she said, Yes, I would. I said, you what? <laughs> That's just as big of a miracle as the lady who drank the female acid. In fact, the lady who drank the female acid was already a Christian. The miracle of Sister Franklin was eternal life. And you know, as bad as Sister Franklin was, that's you and me. Right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Jesus' death on the cross is just as special for us as it was for her. Isn't that wonderful thing? Oh, how he loves us. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not of works, but standing in each boast. Tonight we have assurance. Because our salvation doesn't rest upon us. Aren't you glad? I want to tell you, if my salvation rested upon Brent, I would lose it several times a day. Probably more than that after playing golf today. <laughs> my score was really bad. And I thought some thoughts that weren't very good at times. <laughs> I found the golf course to be a, a wonderful place for self-evaluation. <laughs> I have a golfing buddy back home, and quite often he'll call himself an idiot and all of these things. And I said, Glenn, isn't it a wonderful thing that God shows us who we are on the golf course? <laughs> tonight is not based upon who we are. It's based on the Savior we love. And I want to tell you on Calvary's cross Jesus paid it all. Jesus will never ever have to die again. Amen? Because his death on the cross perfectly satisfied the Father's need for a blameless sacrifice. And on Calvary's cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And I want to tell you, if, and it's a rhetorical if God is for us, who can be against us? And tonight, I don't know the needs in your life. I don't know what you may be struggling with or where you may be hurting. But I can tell you tonight that God is for you. We, we kind of, in our mind, think, well, Pastor Brent, if, if you really knew who I was, you probably wouldn't. Maybe I will, because I'm human. But I can tell you tonight, God is for you. God is for you. And He cares about what you're going through. And I want to tell you, when you put your faith in Him, He can carry you through the worst that Satan can toss at. Our assurance tonight is not based upon who we are. Our assurance tonight is a blessed assurance because of who Jesus is and what He has done.
And what he has done is all that we need. Amen. What he has done is all that we need. You know, in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, Jeremiah talks about going down to the potter's house. Remember the story? And, and the potter is working at the wheel and he is shaping a vessel. A vessel that has been marred, nicked, bruised, wounded. And the Bible says that the potter takes that broken vessel and he takes it to the potter's wheel and he shapes it as seems best to him. Verse 10 of that second chapter says that we have been created by the Master who prepared us to do good works in advance. God thought of you before you were here. God made a plan for you that is so special that only you can do it. If you're here tonight and maybe you have what the world would call low self-esteem, I want to tell you that. Your self-esteem tonight is found in who loves you. And who loves you is the God of the universe. The God who spoke this world in, into creation. He loves you just like you are. I'll never forget the first service that we had after we relocated our church. Uh, we moved our church from Stone Mountain, Georgia to Loganville, Georgia almost 30 miles. And uh, in that process, uh, we worshipped in a gymnasium for years, and our church attendance went from about 115 down to 30. You want to have something that really pumps your pastor's ego up, you watch as 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 people walk out the door. And you go to pastor's conferences and people ask you how the church is doing. Well, we lost another 20. First service, October 13, 1996, in the new church was a wonderful day. Still had 30, 35 people, but one of the guys who walked in that, that morning was a man that I'd been praying for for over 10 years every day by me, Mike Luther. And Mike was not like us. Mike came in with a ponytail, earrings, black leather, he was a biker, mustache beard, 
chains. You know, you get the picture. Yeah. Mike came in and he came for about a month. He found Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And uh, our people loved him. Not like us. Didn't look like us, act like us. Certainly left the church a lot louder than us. <laughs> you know what happened when Mike got saved? Guess who he wanted to reach for the Lord? Bikers. People started showing up at our church with ponytails and earrings and chains and black leather. When you've lost 80 people, every person that comes in through the door is special. Mike Luther's a deacon today, and he comes into church with earrings quite often with black leather. He has shaved his mustache and his, his beard, uh, but he's still vibrantly on fire for Christ to reach as many bikers as he can. And he started a ministry to bikers, and they have 30 that meet on Friday nights share the gospel, and they go out to other bikers and share the gospel, and, and uh, God just doing really neat thing. A couple years back, I had one of the senior ladies in our church come up to me, and she said, Pastor, we need a senior citizen's ministry. And she hit me on a day... The pastors have these days, maybe men perhaps, but I was having a bad day And it was one of those days when I think I had to leave the singing, and I was teaching Sunday school, and I was doing the pastoral stuff, you know. And one more person coming up and telling me something that needed to be done, you know, one of those days. And I looked at poor little Miss Levine, and I said to her, Miss Levine, I can't do anything else. And she looked at me and she said, Who asked you to? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, You said we needed a senior ministry. And she said, Yes, I wanted permission to start. We have a senior's ministry. Miss Levine does a wonderful job. I even get to go eat with them sometimes. Because she had a passion to do something that meant a lot to her. I told you a little bit about Steve Gray. Steve and his family did drugs together, remember that? Guess who Steve has a passion for? Alcoholics and drug addicts. He came to me about a year and a half and he said, Pastor, I just feel like God is calling me to start a ministry. Would you let us use the church? I want to start a group. Starting with two, they have 17 now that meet every Sunday night in our church. And Steve is ministering. 
And guess who's showing up to church on Sunday morning? Yep, drug addicts. Just had one thrown back in jail this week. Guess what he'll do? He'll be sharing the gospel in jail. <laughs> we now have a prison ministry. <laughs> what am I saying? So often when we picture the Great Commission, and we think about going, and we think about, you know, if I really sold myself out to Christ, I'm afraid he'd make me be a missionary. And he would call me to go to a foreign field. And I'm just not ready to make that commitment yet. You know what? The literal translations of go is as you are going. And I want to challenge you tonight to take the things that you really love to do and give them to the Lord and see what He can do with them. I was preaching this message in uh, North Carolina one night, and I got to this point in the service, and little old lady over here stood up and she said, I love to cook! And a lady over here says, I like to cook too! And a lady back there said, why don't we take food to the nursing home? And before I even got a chance to say anything else, five or six people had gathered together and decided that they were going to start cooking. And, and directly one of the men over here got up and said, I like to eat! <laughs> we had a homeless guy come to our church. I didn't know that he was homeless. Until he'd been coming to church for about seven months. It didn't, he didn't smell. Uh, he was clean. Looked like everybody else pretty much. Never asked for a penny. He was homeless by choice. And uh, Michael came up to me about a year ago and he said, Pastor, I have a burden on my heart. Guess who Michael wants to reach for the Lord? Yep, homeless people. He started his own ministry. The church planted a garden. Michael's taking the food from the garden and giving it to the poor. You know, imagine what could happen in the church if God's people said, I'm going to give my passions to Christ. Can you picture, I know it's hunting season now, the hunters going out and shooting deer for Christ? You know? Maybe giving the meat to the poor after they've gotten whatever meat they need for their family, but hunting for Christ, fishing for Christ, golfing for Christ. <laughs> I have a man in our church who this Saturday, we have a friendly golf tournament and encourage the guys in the church to invite their unsaved friends and family to come play golf. 
one of the guys who guided his father-in-law, his father-in-law came to the golf tournament. At the golf tournament, he closed with a little devotion and prayer. The child was in church the next morning and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior at 70 years old. Started bringing his family on Easter Sunday, the following Easter, I baptized Chuck and his three of his grandchildren. Being refined by the Master and saying, God, will you take me like I am with my passions? God, will you help me reach other people who like to do stuff that I like to do? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. The miracle of the human body is astounding. The miracle of a God who would step into our world. And die on the cross for us. It's beyond our imagination. And yet by faith. Through grace, we have been saved. Lord, I pray to for these people that you would take their passions and turn them loose for your kingdom. Glorify yourself through us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.